Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. When children love learning, they can tackle any challenge life throws at them. Sylvan's insight assessment can help you determine if your child is ready for what's ahead. It can also identify gaps in learning and point out areas that could be of concern for your child so they can tackle what's to come. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. Apple Card is the perfect cashback rewards credit card. You earn up to 3% daily cash on every purchase every day. That's 3% on your favorite products at Apple, 2% on all other Apple Card with Apple Pay purchases, and 1% on anything you buy with your titanium Apple Card or virtual card number. Visit apple.co slash card calculator to see how much you can earn. Apple Card issued by Goldman Sachs Bank USA, Salt Lake City Branch, subject to credit approval, terms apply. Listening to the Vox Media Podcast Network. Welcome back to the Fighter versus the Rider. I am Damon Martin. He is UFC legend Matt Brown, and it's Labor Day. But guess what? We're still laboring on Labor Day, Matt. This is the labor of love. <laughs> I love you, Damon. Exactly. It's always a labor of love when we do this show. It's always a labor of love. Uh, what's going on? What, what, what's going on in your corner of the world? I mean, I trained today and then went golfing. So, yeah, I'm wore out, bro. That's actually a pretty long day. It was like 90 degrees today. So I'm still trying to wrap my head around Matt Brown, the golfer. Like, this still doesn't quite compute. Like, Matt Brown, the metalhead. You know, Matt Brown, the badass, Matt Brown, the like, you know, savage in the gym, all those things. Matt Brown, the golfer is not one description I would have written out for you when I first met you like two decades ago. Well, I can tell you, I wouldn't go as far as defining myself as a golfer by any means. <laughs> like I, I put on a fucking polo and go out with my son because he's on the golf team and he fucking loves it. But calling me a golfer, that might be a stretch. Like I swing a club and do the best I can. But to be fair, I think I'm doing pretty good. Being This was my fourth time I've been out on a course, and I've never hit over a 50. I mean, you probably don't know what that means. Like, you know, golfers would know. You know, and I've got as low as 42, and this is a 36 par course. So I, I'm I understand. with my – I understand. I understand. I understand what all those numbers mean. I don't, I don't, I don't play golf, but I do understand what those numbers mean. So yeah, 30 parts 36 on the course. You shot a 50. That's not bad. I I shot a um, 48 today, actually. Oh, there you go. See, look at you. Uh, But I shot as low as 42 so far. Oh, wow. Look at you. You're going to be joining the tour. I'm just saying, bro. Like, I think that's pretty good. That is pretty good. I did. I just, I don't know, man. Golf's one of those things. Like I don't have the patience to play golf. Like I would, I would 100, you know, it's funny. A lot of fighters play golf. Daniel Cormier and Justin Gaethje swear by it. Like when I, when I interview Justin Gaethje, he gets way more excited about golfing than he does fighting. Like he is way into golf. <laughs> Dustin, uh, uh, DC is too. Daniel Cormier is way into golf. I just dude, It's never, I've never gotten the appeal of it. I don't have the patience for it. I would 100% be the guy that would chuck his, I would be happy getting 
Gilmore. I'd be the guy throwing my clubs on the course, and like someone says something, I'd wrap my golf club around their neck. Like that would one hundred percent be me on the golf course. I know I understand this, so I just don't do it. Have you tried it though? Oh yeah, I've tried it. My uh, my cousin growing up was a golfer. He was on a golf team, and he always used to take me like driving ranges and stuff. And I went golfing a few times, and it's just. I don't know. It's just not for me, man. It's just, I, I, I play, I, I love sports. I love football. Uh, played basketball as a kid. Uh, never was really good at baseball and I played tennis. I actually did play tennis. There's a sport you might not figure out for me. I did play tennis, but yeah, just golf wasn't for me. I just, I just, like I said, teach their own man. So out there long drive. Yeah, I used to play had, tennis all the time. Tennis is actually really fun and it's a good workout too. It is fun. It is fun. We got a top golf here in Columbus. I feel like we got to go now. Now top golf. Yeah, obviously, I guess not golfing either, right? No, <laughs> you know it's I mean? not. But it is fun. I do love top golf. That's like the one. Like you could get me to do that. I would do that. I would do top golf. I, you couldn't get me on a course, do nine holes, but you could get me a top golf, and it's not too far away from our houses. We could go to that. Well, my next step is now I got to do eighteen holes, bro. Eighteen. We got a lot of golf courses here because Jack Nicholas is from here, so we got golf courses all over this place. I know. Yeah, it's not too bad, bro. Like. I don't know. Some like it's like see, seems like people either love it or hate it. It's not like you know what I mean. There's not a lot of people that are just kind of in between with it. It's like I don't know. I'm kind of enjoying it so far though. I just started this summer though. Like I literally went four times. I, I mean, I went to the driving range and stuff, but I kind of I kind of enjoy it, man. I can see getting into it. Like I like having a cigar out on the course and fucking you know <laughs> hanging with your boys and shit. It's pretty fun, bro. Yeah, hey man, have at it. All I know is, like I said, I think I said this off there. I'll say it now, dude. If you buy a pair of plaid pants and start wearing that around the, uh, start wearing that around the course, man, we might have to have a conversation. Like I, dude, Matt Brown, the golfer, I can handle Matt Brown in plaid pants. I don't think I could do it, man. I just don't think I can handle that. I think the girls would like that. <laughs> Where do you, do they do you go to the golf? Do they show? Do they sell those at the golf shop? I've never been. I don't think I've ever sat down in like a pro shop where they have like the golf. Do they sell like plaid pants at the golf store? I have no idea. I go in there and buy a cigar, and that's it. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Dude, I you should go in there and be like, yeah, man, I need some, I need some plaid pants. Just, fucking plaid pants. I bet at Golf Galaxy they got some plaid oh, pants. Oh, dude. There's no way they don't have plaid pants. I mean, I, like, I'm sure they do. There's no way they don't have plaid pants on one of those stores. I mean, come on. Or, you know, our boy Loper let us borrow some. But, that, but yes, I don't know. It's pretty fun, man. Uh, I think if you take the game serious, it cannot be fun, though, right? Like, that's probably your problem, right? If you take it so serious, like, dude, I got to get this ball. I'm just like, I lose the ball. I'm like, all right, try again. <laughs> I'm weirdly, I'm weirdly competitive. Like I am definitely that. Like I like winning, so yeah, I'm definitely that. That's that's probably why. I don't know. Like I said, I just, I, just don't, I don't have the patience for it. I, I know I don't. I know I don't have the patience for it. I'm just I never when I tried it, I wasn't good, and I tried being good at it for a little while when I played a couple of times. I'm like, this just isn't for me. But you know, to each their own. Like I said, there's a lot of people who hate playing tennis. I love playing tennis. I don't really play anymore, but I used to love playing tennis. Like I've been talking to a couple of buddies of mine about maybe doing pickleball because everyone's like way into pickleball now and i'm like that could be kind of fun like something similar ish to tennis you know so yeah this fucking pickleball came out of nowhere huh yeah dude i don't know like I, all of a sudden everyone's playing pickleball and i'm like what the hell is this so yeah i never even heard of it but then i seen it at the arnold's they had a whole setup for pickleball it was like, I was like what the fuck is this old person game <laughs> but i've never tried it i don't know so i can't hate it so i try it 
Yeah, there you go. Hey, you never know. Like I said, you know, they, they, you get good enough, start winning some money. You know, who knows what you can be up to in the golf course? I don't know. Like I said, I hey, wouldn't that be cool? Go from pro UFC fighter to pro golfer. Yeah, you could be from going from Matt the Immortal Brown to Matt the Chipper Brown. That'll be your new nickname, the Chipper. Yeah, you could be my caddy, Damon. <laughs> I'll do. I'll be your caddy. That's absolutely. I'll absolutely <laughs> be your caddy because that that takes that takes all the responsibility off of my uh, response off of my shoulders to actually hit the ball and try to get in the freaking hole. <laughs> Let's do it, bro. I'm in. I almost right. missed the fights last weekend because of golf. Golfing, but uh, I ended up watching the fights and seeing. I, I uh, yeah, it was a pretty fucking good show overall, too, right? Yeah, it was. It was good. It was um, like obviously it was a it was a top heavy card, much like we're going to talk about a little bit later with UFC 293. But you know, a couple good fights in there, obviously. Uh, Benoit St. Denis had a great knockout. That was incredible. Of course, we got to see Rose Namajunas make her flyweight debut. She came up short. And then Cyril gone knocking out Sergey Spivak, which I don't want to diminish what he did in that fight, Matt. Like, Cyril Gon's good. We all know he's a good heavyweight. Like, there's no there's no surprise about that. But I don't know that we learned anything about Cyril Gon that we didn't already know. You know what I mean? Like, I, that, when a guy yeah. comes off a loss, like he lost to, to John Jones... I kind of want to see, like, did he grow from that loss? Did he get better? I don't really, and that's not a knock on him, by the way. Let me just like, be clear about that. Like, I don't know that Sergey Spivak was really going to push him in the way to where I was like, oh, man, like, this is a really dangerous matchup for him. You know, like, once he shrugged off a couple takedowns, I was like, well, this is going to go really badly for Cyril. This is going to go really bad for Sergey Spivak, and that's exactly what happened. Yeah, I remember him shooting for one takedown, and I was like, like what kind of game plan is this bro like you should be spamming takedowns like you know his weakness and like sergey's good on the ground like it really threw me off i really thought that sergey would push way harder for the takedown have a better strategy for getting the takedown or you know something like that and yeah he just didn't really have anything to offer at all we like you said or like you said we knew what would happen on the feet yeah, it's like, and again, that's not a knock on him. I just like when they made the matchup, I'm like, well, this fight's going to go one of two ways. Either Cyril's going to knock him out or Spivak's going to somehow get a takedown yeah. and beat him on the ground. But even that, like, I would say I was like 90-10. Like, I was 90% sure Cyril Gaunt was going to win that fight. Like, I just, I had a pretty good feeling about it. His speed and his power. Um, and again, like I said, if, if I want to learn more about Cyril Gaunt, I need to see him fight. Like he needs to fight Curtis Blades or Jalton Almeida, guys who are just incredibly good mm -hmm. on the ground. Now you can you can talk about Curtis Blades. You know he made a ill-fated mistake standing with Sergey Pavlovich in his last fight that cost him, and and obviously he's fighting Jalton Almeida in November. So we'll find out who wins that one. But I think the winner of that one, and Tom Aspinall is another one. I know Tom actually called out Cyril Gunn. I think that makes a lot of sense. Tom's an incredibly good grappler. Um, good striker as well, but I think that would be like that's that to me is a matchup. If he fights Tom Aspinall, that's a fight where I'll walk away saying I know more about Cyril Gon now than I did when he fought Sergey Spivak. Either either he's going to evolve and beat a guy like Tom Aspinall, who to me is a top five heavyweight, or he's just not going to be that guy. Like he's just going to be that really good striker who could beat up the number six guy, the number seven guy, the number eight guy. But I don't know that Cyril Gon's ever going to be a champion if that makes sense. Yeah, I totally agree. Yeah, I think that's exactly it. And um, he's one of those guys that <clears throat> you know he, we only we know like how good of a striker he is, right? Like like you said, we didn't learn anything about him. I think you made a great point. We don't really know anything. We didn't learn anything about him. So I should say, yeah, we know he we know he can stand with anybody. 
you know, it, like the, the only people that are going to beat them on the field, you know, are, you know, they're going to, I don't know, get lucky, right? Not even get lucky, right? He's going to get caught or something, you know, like anybody can lose on the feet anytime. But, um, yeah, I'm not much to add to that, bro, because you're right. Like, there's, we just didn't learn much about him. Yeah, I think him and Aspinall. I think him and Aspinall makes a lot of sense. Aspinall, you know, he, he's he's a really good guy, really good heavyweight. He had that one freaky loss to Curtis Blades, where he injured his knee, came back, got the win in the last one, and kind of the same thing with him. He beat Marcin Tarbura, who's a you know good serviceable heavyweight. But again, I don't know that I really learned much about Tom Aspinall with him beating Marcin Tarbura. Like if if Tom Aspinall fights Cyril Gone. We're going to learn something about both those guys. Like we're going to figure out which one yeah. of them is going to be like a top tier heavyweight. I think that's a fight that makes a lot of sense for both guys. Plus they're both from Europe, you know, one's from England, one's from France makes a lot of sense. And where the heavyweight division is right now, you got Pavlovich. He's backing up Stipe and John, you know, that makes a lot of sense. Stipe and John fighting in November. You got, I mentioned Jalton Almeida fighting Curtis Blaze in November. That's a good matchup. Uh, I think Cyril Gaon and 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 uh, and Tom Aspinall is the fight to make because then we'll really learn. And I, again, I, I I say the same about Tom Aspinall. Like I didn't really learn anything about Tom that I didn't already know when he fought my shirt, Marcin Dabura. Like I wasn't I wasn't going to that fight. Like, man, this is a huge risky fight for him. Uh, so yeah, that's the to me that's the matchup. Like, let's just make it. Let's make uh, Mick Maynard and Sean Shelby's job easy for him. I yeah, totally agree because we got the two best grapplers obviously going against each other without made in blades and then let's put two great strikers together yeah you know and then whoever comes out on top either you know fights for the title if it's vacant or they because it's very possible that title is going to be vacant no matter who wins uh between jones and steve a right like is a very good possibility either one of them walks away so that title may be vacant you know so you know the winner either fights uh you know for a vacant title or fights sergey pavlovich yeah, it's going to be interesting. Yeah, I mean, Sergey's going to be right there. And, yeah, you're right. I mean, we've, we've been open and honest about this. Like, I don't if Jones wins or Miocic wins, the winner could just retire. Like, that may be, like, there's a there's a good chance that's a double retirement fight, depending on how things play out. Because if Stebe wins, he just beat the greatest fighter ever. Where do you really go from there? Like, you know, do you stick around at 41 and say, man, I really can't wait to fight the next crop of great heavyweights? I don't see that happening. And John Jones has been open and said, like, Stebe may be the last one. Because – you know what else does he i mean i think i think there's a better chance of jones sticking around than steve if i'm being honest with you but yeah. either way i think there's a pretty good chance neither one of them sticks around after that fight so yeah we could be talking about sergey versus the winner of aspinall and gone or the winner of uh almeida and and blade well probably not blades because obviously he just lost to sergey but we could talk about jelton almeida tom aspinall or cyril gone potentially and i think even gone might be a little further out because he's lost in two title fights he lost in yeah. gone and he lost to jones so maybe aspinall and, and almeida are like the whoever looks better and then they get pavlovich and that's the new title yeah uh, the problem too i think for john or Stipe is like none of these other guys we're talking about have a big name power like that you know what i mean so like they're not going to be excited to fight any of these guys based off the name power they know that they're a tough, a worthy challenge. Like all of those guys are fucking tough motherfuckers that are going to bring a, uh, you know, a tough fight to them, but none of them bring the name power uh, deserving of like Jones or Stipe. Yeah, it's a problem. And uh, listen, you gotta, you know, people are, I mean, there's a reason why when Sean O'Malley won, people immediately started working to the Cheeto fight because, you know, Cheeto was a, a bigger name and Cheeto has the win over Sean. So it's like easy sell. 
easy way to sell right. that fight, right? Uh, and uh, listen, <laughs> I say it all the time. I'll say it again now, Matt. If you want to stay sane in this sport, strike strike the word deserves from your vocabulary because deserves means nothing in this sport. Uh, who's going to sell more and who's near? Because there's a reason why Conor McGregor, if he ever does fight again, and that's a big if, if he ever does fight again, he's only ever one win away from a title shot. Let's be honest. He's only ever one win away from a title shot because he's Conor McGregor. I mean, realistically, he could probably come back and just simply fight for a title <laughs> shot if he really wanted to, right? I mean, yeah. you know. You know, he's playing his cards the right way. So, but yeah, that, and that's, uh, this, I don't know, you know, how to, I don't know what to think about that, right? Because, like, it, it sucks that we do have to strike the word deserve from our vocabulary. Um, but if we bring in, like, kind of the way that boxing does it, where they have, like, the mandatory challengers and, yeah. you know, they, they have a, obviously they have a very different political system and a different ranking system and you know everything's different but it does force you to fight the next guy you know what i mean so you know there's like so many pros and cons i guess we'd have to do like a whole podcast solely on that subject but um so i guess i don't know why i'm bringing it up but that's uh, you know just one of those things i just kind of think about when we talk about this word deserve all the time because i wish that uh, i i guess my point is i wish that the guy that did deserve it got the fight I agree. I totally agree. I mean, like I said, just like this, I mean, you could, I mean, I listen, you, you obviously, you know, like our feelings towards Stipe is an Ohio guy. I love Stipe to death, but like based on credentials, based on who's earned it right now, well, Sergey Pavlovich has earned a title shot. Like he is, he yeah. has earned a title shot. Stipe is getting it because he's the longest reigning heavyweight champion and it's a legacy fight for both him and John Jones. I get it. I, I don't have a huge issue with it. But in terms of who's done more lately, well, Sergey's done more lately. Like, Stevie's coming off a loss. He's coming off a loss to Ngannou from three years ago. Like, what are we doing right. here? You know what I mean? Like, that's not generally how you get a title shot. But Stevie's a legend. He's a you know multiple-time heavyweight champion, all those kind of things. Um, so he's getting it. And, I don't, again, to be clear, I don't really have a huge problem with him getting it. But let's be honest. Like, he didn't earn it, quote-unquote. He didn't go out there. If he had right. beaten Sergey and got the title shot, sure. Same thing with Cheeto. Like, Marab Dewalishvili deserves the title shot. He's earned it. He's right. on a nine-fight win streak. He just d- absolutely dominated Peter Yan, a guy that went to a split decision with Sean O'Malley and had a couple of, obviously had a close fight with Algerine Sterling as well. Went out there and absolutely dominated him for five rounds. He is clearly the number one contender. But, you know, Cheeto's got name value. Cheeto has a win over Sean. There's a story there. You know, like it or not, that seems to be where we're heading. And, and realistically, like those they're going to have a good buildup for that fight. He said, there's a story, but those guys talk, they don't like each other. They talk a certain way that, you know what I mean? They got this star power. Like, yeah, it just, if you're in the UFC's position, you can't ask for a better situation, but you know, from a hard, and it's only the hard, hardcore fans that are even going to give a shit, right? Like how many people like truly want to see Marab versus, you know, um, Marab fight O'Malley rather than Cheeto. Like, realistically, we would rather watch Cheeto and Sean O'Malley go at it again. Like, we know what Marab's going to do. He's going to spam takedowns, you know, maybe get one and, you know, like he did Peter Young. We know what Cheeto's going to do. He's going to stand there and bang. Like, that's the fight we want to see. Well, that's the fight everyone else wants to see. I want to see Marab. I legitimately want to. I think he's a tougher matchup. 
And I think that's why I'd like to see it. But you're absolutely right. Like I'm in the minority. Well, I, I fully admit see. I fully admit I'm in the minority. Like I know I'm in the minority of saying, like, I want to see that fight. Like beyond everything else, like I want to see that fight because then it gets a tougher matchup. But you're absolutely right. Like I am one hundred percent in the minority of people saying I want to see that fight. The majority of people would rather see the stand up banger brawl and Cheetah presents that kind of interesting matchup. And again, the story's there. Like why like it or not, it is there. Yeah. He has a win over Sean O'Malley. There's history there. Um, and also, you know, Cheeto did get a win over Pedro Munoz, not to say it certainly does away with how he performed against Corey Sandhagen, but you know, you can't say he's off a loss or all these little things we would normally nitpick about. Like, come on. Like, I, again, like you're right. You're absolutely right. hundred percent. Right. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, you could say you could go through just about every division and probably say similar things. Right. So even like the whole deserve thing is, you know, very subjective too. Right. A lot of times. Yeah, no, it is. It is. And there's no, well, here's the thing. There's no criteria. Like no one says like you win five in a row, you get a title shot or you win six in a row. Like there's no criteria for that. It's not a tournament, you know, none of that, like none of that applies here. So ultimately it really does come down to who just who, and also comes down to timing, who's available. Like, you know, that kind of thing. Like if somebody's injured, like right now, Sean Strickland is getting a title shot at UFC 293 for no other reason than Israel Adesanya needs to headline a card in Australia and Drakus Duplessis was hurt. That's it. Like, I'm not knocking Sean Strickland for taking the opportunity, but no one in their right mind is going to sit here and say he deserved that title shot. He got it because of opportunity and timing. He didn't get it because he's on this huge long win streak and he's knocked out all the other contenders. He's getting it because he was the one guy available who hasn't fought Izzy and he was ready to go in September. That's it. Like, that is the real reason Sean Strickland is fighting in the main event at UFC 293. And the cherry on the top there has to be he's going to make some fun press conferences this week, right? <laughs> like, Hopefully, I mean, fun, yeah. not cringy. Let's let, hope more fun, right, less cringe. Right. I was just saying, lo- love him or hate him, <laughs> like he makes it interesting at least. He does. He does. Uh, we're going to talk about UFC 293 in just a second, real quick before we move on. I want to ask. We talked a little bit about Cyril Grant. Cyril Gone. Obviously, Rose Namajunas made her debut. Had a loss against Mano Fior. Um, I just watched Rose on live. It turns out she doesn't have a broken hand. She has a dislocated finger. She was kind of lamenting that, saying, you know, I wish I just popped it back into socket. But here's maybe the biggest news coming out of this. She says, I'm not going back to straw weight. She's staying at flyweight. She doesn't want to cut the weight and kill herself. And she's already, she kind of said, I've been there, done that at straw weight. I'm a two-time champion, you know, not really interested in going back down there. Um, what did you think of Rose? And is she making the right decision here? Like, or I like, I don't want to just kind of like Mano Fior got a big win, but like, what, what, what's like, what's next for Rose? Yeah, I thought, I think that's a really interesting decision because, um, I mean, we know like she can do great things at the lower weight class, right? But when she goes up to 125, it's like, I mean, we, we, she, we just seen like, you know, she wasn't able to reach. Uh, Fioro, is that how you say it? Fioro, Fior, Fior, yeah, Fior. Fior. Yeah. Um, she wasn't able to reach her very well. Um, the strength was clearly, you know, favoring Fiora. Um, Fior. <laughs> <laughs> you know, the strength was like clearly favoring her. Um, and, and, you know, unfortunately, it, I don't think that that was what actually uh, wanted for you know, I mean, it literally, to me, it looked like she was just better than Rose that night. You know, maybe the dislocated finger um, that she thought was broken, maybe that played a factor in it for sure. You know, she kind of, she switched to southpaw and, um, 
you know, certainly wasn't throwing that right hand nearly as much, but uh, Fiora looked like the better fighter to me that night. And it's like, you know, I don't know. that. Like, where does she go with that weight class, right? Yeah, it's a weird one because Rose is legitimately a star. Like, she's a well-known person and, and been there. So you can't just throw her in against nobodies. Like, I just can't imagine the UFC is going to want to pay her what they're paying her to go in there against, like, the number 15-ranked girl or the number 20-ranked girl, things like Unless it's a name. Like, there's name value there. But then on the flip side, like... But what names are in that way? Well, that's, yeah, that, that's the other problem. Like, you know what I mean? Like, who does she fight? Like, I mean, you know, like, is she going to fight the loser of Shevchenko Grasso? Is it really going to be, like, that much? Like, she lost. So it's not like she's going to get, like, the next top person. So, yeah, I don't know. I mean, I was <laughs> I was arguing, like, when, when, when Zhang Wei Li fought Amanda Limos, I was 100% convinced they were just going to give Rose the title shot because she has two wins over Zhang. And I was like, I, I was rooting for that not to happen, not because I don't like Rose, I love Rose, but because we've already seen that fight so many times, and Rose was coming off that just horrendous fight with Carlos Barza. I was like, I, but in my head, I was like, they're going to do it. They're going to just book her in that title fight. Well, they didn't, and then she was to flyweight, and I don't know, like, I, I'm not, she didn't look terrible, but like, do I really, like, I don't know, can she win some fights of flyweight? Sure. But she just lost to Mano Fior. Like, who is she going to fight? And, uh, I mean, does she fight Caitlin Chukagian? Does she fight Jessica Andrade in a rematch at 125? Like, I have no idea. Like, I, I, don't really, I don't really understand the move necessarily. But she says that, you know, the weight cut is, is terrible. She doesn't like doing the weight cut. She's going to add on some more muscle. And, and, you know, she had the same reach as Mano Fior, all those kind of things. So, I guess we'll see. I mean, one more try and see how it goes. I mean, she didn't look terrible, but she didn't win. I mean, I don't. I heard some people thinking Rose won. I don't agree with that. I thought Rose clearly lost the fight. Yeah, there wasn't. I don't think there was any question on who won or lost that fight. And I don't know. It's, it's very surprising to me that she said that that weight cut hurts her so badly. You know, like I wonder um, if she's not cutting weight properly or not preparing properly. You know, something because like ten pounds isn't a lot to cut, you know, and I'm not sure what she was cutting from, but I can't imagine it was more than like just 10 pounds. Like that's very, very standard across the board in the UFC to be cutting 10 pounds, you know, even like, you know, um, straw weights, fly weights, whatever, bantam weights, you know, like 10 pounds is not a significant amount. Yeah, it's weird. I don't know. Like, I don't know what's next for her. Like, you know, I mean, of course she says she's staying at flyaways. So there's going to be openings there. Uh, who, I don't know. I mean, I know you know, like Lauren Murphy's out there. Uh, I said, Caitlin Chukagian's out there. We just saw Tyler Santos lose there in Blanchville. She's out there. Maybe that's a fun one. Uh, you know, maybe she, cause again, I can't see Rose sticking around 125 and they just throw her in there against anybody. Like, you know what I mean? Like I just, I mean, right. I, I don't know. Like, I don't really know. Like, but again, you know, but uh, listen, I'm never going to fault someone. She feels healthier and happier flyweight. If that's where she feels like she's going to perform better, more power to her. Um, I just don't know where, like, I don't know what, I don't, I can't predict what's next for her, I guess is what I'm saying. Like, I don't really know. Like, I guess Chukagian maybe or, or, uh, or Lauren Murphy, one of those other flyweights who's like in that top 10, but not necessarily in the top five, or maybe Tyler Santos. Maybe that's a matchup. I don't know. They all feel like, like without looking at the stats or seeing them next to each other, they all feel like they're way bigger than her. You know what I mean? Yeah. And I don't, you know, I don't know if I'm right or wrong on that. I could be totally wrong, but just from, 
you know, my own perception of thinking of like what Rose looks like and these other girls look like, 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 you know, I still never know how to say her name. Fjord, she looked bigger than Rose. And I, I don't think the size played a gigantic factor of her, other than her just um, stopping those takedowns, you know, without really any um, um, resistance whatsoever. Um, but yeah, like they, she doesn't feel like she's sized for that division to me. Yeah, no, I agree. I I totally agree. I totally agree. Uh, speaking of weight cutting, Matt, uh, you talked about you know cutting the weight and things like this. I know you are. Correct me if I'm wrong. You're a big sauna guy, aren't you? I'm a huge advocate of the sauna, and in two weeks I'm gonna have my personal sauna delivered to me from Wedwood Outdoors. I have to thank them for sponsoring the podcast, and they're hooking me up with a beautiful new brand new barrel sauna. So I spent most of uh, Oh, excuse me. I trained and went golfing. I spent the rest of the day uh, working on building a little platform for the sauna, getting it all ready. Got to, you know, get some gravel delivered and build a little spot for us. So I'm stoked as could be, man. You know, we'll have to talk sometime about, you know, it's interesting, you know, because we, we segue from weight cutting into this with how unhealthy weight cutting is for you and how bad it can, you know, damage all these different things in you. But the sauna is probably one of the most beneficial things you can do for your life. And I'm going to fucking get you out there in it, Damon, and you're going to love it. Um, We're going to set up the ice barrel. um, Well, ice tub, not an ice barrel, but um, my ice tub. You're going to do a cold plunge. You're going to do the sauna. We're going to steam it up. We're going to fry. We're going to sweat. And then we're going to fucking eat some good food and maybe smoke a cigar. (laughs) You know, whatever. (laughs) food and you're gonna sleep better than you've ever slept and you're gonna start feeling the benefits right away i like it i like it i hear i i know that i know like everyone always correlates the sauna to weight cutting in mma and i get it like it, it can be a tool to use a weight cutting but there's also huge other benefits of using a sauna beyond weight cutting like i know i know joe rogan swears by it he constantly is talking about you know using the sauna mm-hmm. uh it's a tool we 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 hear about it so often because of weight cutting and i get it like it is a tool for it can be a tool for weight cutting but it's also a tool for so many other things in mma and like recovery and things like that for your body uh when you're a high level you know even if you're not a high level athlete it could be beneficial but uh i think people equate it so much with weight cutting thinking that like that's what the, the primary thing you use it for and i know for you it's not like I know you use the sauna yeah. generally has that good weight cutting. I'll tell you what, I haven't even used the sauna in many years uh, for weight cutting. Like I, I don't even like using it for weight cutting. I don't think it's uh, that good for your body for weight cutting. When I have used it for weight cutting, I feel worse. Like my body feels way more fucked up. Um, so I use it for health reasons. Um, I mean, got. I mean, where do you even start with the benefits? I mean, if you watch, like, yeah, Joe Rogan talks about all the time. He has that Rhonda Patrick on there. She's done a lot of great science, a lot of research on it. She talks about it all the time. I mean, uh, Dr. Huberman, and we all listen. Well, not all. You know, a lot of people listen to his podcast. Um, he talks about the benefits. I mean, there's just the. It's a laundry list of benefits, and it's easy, and it's fun, and it's enjoyable. It's like, like what else do you want? You know. And now so, you're gonna now you're gonna have one at your house. Yeah, man. And I've had one on and off for a long time. My my buddy has a mobile sauna, so it's a sauna on a trailer. We bring it over and you know, I have a bunch of people over and we have some fun with it. Um, but just to be clear, like I'm not just simply saying all this because I'm being sponsored by them. Like I've been saying this for a long time. I've probably 
mentioned a lot of this to you before, Damon. Um, I mention this to all my friends all the time. And um, well, with that said, you know, you can use my code to buy a sauna if you want to get $250 off. And that's Immortal, um, Immortal 250. Yeah, that's what <laughs> it is. All capitals, Immortal 250. Um, but I'm going to pump them up as much as I can because I'm so stoked to get a sauna. And I'm so stoked to be working with this company, Redwood Outdoors. That's just one of the best companies out there. Um, they got a sauna for my buddy, Dustin Myers, who's my um, strength and conditioning coach. And we use it all the time. When I go out there every Wednesday at 6 a.m., watch the sunrise while we're, you know, you know uh, grinding it out in the sauna and the ice tub. And um, I tell you, it's a, your whole day is different when you start off that way. There you go. Yeah, support it and check it out. And uh, I look forward to uh, one day sweating my ass off in this sauna that, uh, that you're going to have at the uh, the Immortal Mansion. So I look forward to that. Well, I, uh, didn't give you the, I didn't give you the caveat, though, for for anyone who is going to come use the sauna, they have to help me get the sauna ready and build <laughs> the sauna, <laughs> which it's an easy build. But the building the platform and all that is going to be the real job. So next weekend, Damon. There we go. It's all, maybe, I we'll always, do a, maybe we'll do a, a podcast in person since we'll be hanging out. I always joke about that. People don't understand. We always do. We always record our podcasts on Zoom. We literally live five minutes away from each other. Like five minutes. I could yeah. what? I could jump in my car and be at your house in five five minutes. Is probably pushing it. I could be there quicker than that. And yet we always <laughs> right. we always record the podcast over Zoom, which is just hilarious. It's just easier on schedules to do it this way. But I do live like five minutes away from you, so uh, yeah, it is actually actually is rather convenient to come to your house. Well, I got a pretty decent little studio down here. Maybe I have to build out and we'll start doing it in person sometime. Hey, we could. You we know, we could, hey, hey, we could start doing a sauna night and then a podcast <laughs> or podcasts and then sauna. You know, there we go. Vice versa. You know, something. We'll figure something out. Might need some recovery after this podcast. All I'm saying. You know what I mean? We're done with it. Yeah. <laughs> need a little maybe recovery. We'll even- Maybe we'll even put your equipment to the test and we'll do a podcast in the sauna. Yeah, that now that I will not do. That'll be the end of the old MacBook <laughs> right there. I'll be like, yeah, I didn't survive the sauna. I'm not I'm not risking that one right there. I'll tell you that right now. We're not recording in the sauna. That's not gonna happen. <laughs> but yeah, enough. you could you could record me afterwards. So. Fair, fair uh, Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. As a parent, you want your child to have every opportunity. But giving them the tools they need to tackle every challenge. That takes a team. Now more than ever, educational support tailored exactly to what your child needs can make all the difference. That's why parents have trusted Sylvan Learning for 45 years as the ultimate teammate in their child's educational journey, instilling in them a love for learning and a passion for reaching the next level. And Sylvan's insight assessment can identify gaps in learning and areas that could be of concern for your child. It's a... 360-degree view into your child's learning that you can't find anywhere else and helps ensure that your child didn't miss something in school that might put them at a disadvantage in the future. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. This message comes from Apple Card. Earn up to 3% daily cash back on every purchase every day. 
then grow it at 4.50% annual percentage yield when you open a savings account with Apple Card. Visit apple.co slash card calculator to see how much you can earn. Apple Card subject to credit approval. Savings available to Apple Card owners subject to eligibility. Savings accounts provided by Goldman Sachs Bank USA. Member FDIC. Terms apply. So, Matt, we mentioned earlier, of course, UFC 293 this weekend. Uh, Israel Adesanya defending his title against Sean Strickland in the main event. Tied to a Voss taking on Alexander Volkov in the co-main event. And then three other fights. And I say that not to disrespect the three other fights on the card. Manel Kopp is fighting. I'm a big, big fan of Manel Kopp. Uh, but let's be honest, Matt, this is not the strongest pay-per-view the UFC will promote this year. Yeah, that's right. Even the Adesanya Strickland, I don't see a ton of uh, – I mean, he's a 600 favorite. I looked at the odds today, Adesanya. So, you know, I, I don't think there's a ton of hype behind this. I don't think anybody was really begging to see Strickland go fight Adesanya. But I'll tell you what, Strickland, you know, I'm favoring Adesanya, picking him also, but – Strickland is that guy too. You know what I mean? Like he doesn't really give a shit. Like he's, he can go out there. He's the type of guy to pull off an upset completely unexpected. And we wake up on Sunday. Like what the fuck just happened? I mean, is it, I mean, listen, it's a fight. Anything can, anything can happen. You know, like you talk about like the whole mandatory challenger in boxing, a lot of the times when there's a mandatory challenger in boxing, you know, you're pretty much assuming they're going to get steamrolled by the champion. Like a lot of times that's what it feels like, even though they're the mandatory challenger, we don't really feel like they're the toughest challenge for the champion in boxing. That's not the case in MMA. Like we all going back to the whole Sean O'Malley thing. I think we'd all agree. Marab Dewalishvili is a tough matchup for Sean O'Malley. That's not necessarily the case here. Like Sean Strickland on paper, is not an incredibly hard fight for Israel Adesanya. He's a volume striker who comes forward. Well, guess what? Adesanya is a sniper. He is a counter striker with nasty counter strikes. That is the last guy you want to go charging at. So either, in my opinion, Sean Strickland's either going to go forward and try to out volume Adesanya and it's going to backfire spectacularly or Strickland's going to back off and make Izzy come forward and then it's going to be five rounds of Izzy pop shot and him getting in and out of there and Strickland not engaging. Like that's the downside of this fight. I don't think, I don't think Strickland presents a lot of danger to Adesanya. I say that knowing full well, yes, an upset can happen. He could catch him, you know, he could catch him with a shot and stun him. We all are shocked out of our minds. But Matt, if you're asking me the honest truth here, do I see a lot of ways to victory? Like when I'm sitting here, you're asking me like, how can Sean Strickland win this fight? He has a couple of ways he can, you know, he could catch him, you know, catch him with a punch, which could happen in any fight in all of MMA, uh, or he could potentially somehow wear him down round after round and and use that volume striking attack, the death of death by a thousand cuts, as I like yeah. to call it, and use it that way. Problem is, no one's done that to Israel before, and he's fought everybody. He's fought every kind of striker. You, I mean. I mean, Sean Strickland's good. No one's going to sit and say Sean Strickland isn't good. But if you're talking just stri- just striking, Matt, just purely striking, who's a better striker, Sean Strickland or Robert Whitaker? I would say Robert Whitaker is a better striker. You know what I mean? He couldn't really do a lot to Izzy. Did he do better in the rematch in the first fight? Sure, but yeah, you know, that's a that's a grading on a scale. You know what I mean? He got absolutely de- demolished in the first fight, and then you know it was four rounds to one or whatever in the second fight. But um, yeah, I do. 
I'm just being honest. I don't see a lot of paths to victory for Sean Strickland this weekend. Like, I, <laughs> that's not an underdog bet I'm looking to make. No, and I'm, I'm 100% right there with you. And I think we're the what because you can look at Sean's past fights and you compare, right? Like, uh, he fought Pereira. Like, that's a very good comparison, right? I mean, Pereira obviously has that left hook that, you know, Izzy doesn't necessarily have. But, you know, as in terms of level of kickboxer and, um, you know, he, he was having success against Pereira, and then he got caught with that left hook. Izzy doesn't necessarily have that one punch, you know, that's going to change the whole fight. Now, yeah, he obviously can hit well and hit hard, so, you know, I think that's uh, not completely out of question either. But um, I think the big question is, you know, what did Sean Strickland learn from fighting Alex Pereira? Probably nothing. You know, I'm, I might be overanalyzing a little bit here, but um, if he learned from Alex Pereira and knowing that he's going up against a similar matchup with Adesanya, you know, he could change up his game plan and surprise us. Now, this is me. I'm stretching. I know that. You know what I'm saying? Like, I'm trying to find a way to be interested in this fight because I agree with you. Like, on paper – in all theory and all hypothetical scenarios I see is, is he, you know, making a pretty easy night out of this, getting a big payday, having a great party in Sydney, Australia, and, <laughs> you know, going home with maybe a, you know, a couple of, you know, busted up knuckles is probably the worst injury he's got to deal with. But I'm just saying Strickland is that guy that, you know, I think he could surprise us. Like when I'm this confident or when we're this confident ever, that's when we get the surprise the most. And Strickland's the type of guy to do that shit. See, I, well, I agree with what am you're I, saying. Am I reaching too much? You're reaching too much, Matt. I think you are. And here's why I <laughs> say, so here's why I say that when we, you remember we had, we very famously, when Izzy fought Pereira the first time in, in the UFC, yes, they had history. And yes, obviously Pereira is a, a, a world-class striker. One of the best in all of MMA period. And so is Israel Adesanya for that matter. There was just something in the air. And you and I said, I can't quite put our finger on, but we both yeah. picked Prayer to win that fight. And he did. Now, he had to come back. He was losing, came back and beat him. Rematch, not much had changed. It had been six months, five months even, I think it was. And we both just said, there's just something we know. Like, we both picked Israel Adesanya. Like, there was just something <laughs> right. about the fight. We're like, you know what? Like, we're picking Izzy. And neither one of us could give a great excuse as to why it was going to change. But we both just said, no, we're picking Izzy. And sure enough, he knocked him out and won. This is one of those times where, yes, I acknowledge the upset can happen. I acknowledge that Sean Strickland is a pretty good fighter and he could find a way to win. But I'm reminded of Jared Cannonier, Marvin Vittori, the other guys who have kind of like, you know, gotten title shots, but no one was like banging the drum and saying, man, this guy, you know, he's really the guy. He's the guy who's, you know, there's real danger there. And Israel pretty much 50-45 both those guys. Like, nothing happened out of the ordinary. The only thing that, like, happened out of the ordinary was Izzy didn't go for the kill necessarily, but he won the fight. There was no question about it. Um, so, yeah, if I if I sit here and try to talk myself into Sean Strickland, that's all I'm doing, man. I'm trying to talk myself into it and make it sound like it's more <laughs> exciting than what it is. Israel and Sean, you should win this fight going away. Like, my question is, does he finish it or does it become like a lopsided 50-44 decision? Like, that's my question. Like, does Izzy get super motivated in front of the Australia crowd to want to go out there and put Sean Strickland away? Or is he going to be satisfied with, you know, a lopsided decision win? 
because I don't see a lot of paths to victory for Sean Strickland. Sean Strickland doesn't have Pereira's power. He doesn't have that so kind of that fight changing, just like Cannoneer. Yeah. He doesn't have that one-punch fight. He couldn't just clip Adesanya, and you're like, oh, my God, he got him. Doesn't have that kind of power. He's a puncher, not much of a kicker, so we're very much talking about boxing. You know what I mean? We're not. He does have a ground game. He never uses it. So it's like, where does he present a lot of danger to Israel Adesanya? I just don't see it. I, I 100% feel that. And I guess maybe where I'm giving him, uh, where I'm really reaching here, and, and I recognize I'm reaching. Like, I'm trying to find a way to make this fight interesting, right? When you talk about Adesanya rematching Pereira, you know, part of what, what I think maybe we felt in the air a little bit was like, Adesanya is a, a smart, cerebral fighter, right? He's a ninja, right? Like, we know, like, he can adjust his shit. He can figure things out and find ways to do things. He game plans, he strategizes, all those things. Sean Strickland does not <laughs> or has not. And maybe what I'm reaching for here is maybe this time he strategizes a little different. Like we, again, like you said, we know he's, he has a good ground game. We know that, you know, he's got, maybe he's got something um, we haven't seen before, right? Cause we kind of, we're all expecting the same Sean Strickland we've seen in the past, however many 10, 15, whatever fights I'm saying he, I think he has the ability, potentially the ability whether he's got the brains, I don't know, but I think he's got the ability to maybe pull some new tricks out of his sleeve. And maybe that's where I'm reaching. I recognize I'm reaching. So yeah, I talk shit about it, whatever, but that's, here's the problem with this fight, Matt, is that we're sitting here breaking it down and we have to talk ourselves into convincing, like convincing ourselves to make it interesting because let's be honest, this isn't all that interesting. It's not really that interesting when your champion is a minus 600 favorite. Like it's not, right. you know what I mean? Like, of course, you know, but, and also we know enough about Israel Adesanya to know that yes, anyone can get caught. We all understand that. But in, you know, this isn't Ronda Rousey, Holly home where Ronda, we knew Ronda was not a great striker. We knew it. And when, as soon as Holly stopped her takedowns, we're like, this is going to get ugly in a hurry. And exactly that's what happened. We don't have those questions with Israel. We've seen him on the ground. We've seen him in dogfights. We've seen him get knocked down and get back up. We've seen him against everybody in the world. You know, every top guy in the middleweight division from the time he fought Anderson Silva on, he's fought everybody and beaten everybody. I don't have questions about Israel Adesanya. I still have a lot of questions about Sean Strickland. So really all I'm doing right now is like, I'm talking myself into why this fight should be interesting. Matt, this fight isn't all that interesting. It's just not. I mean, Israel is a minus 600 favorite. I think those lines will be bigger by fight time. It'll be like a minus 800 favorite. Yeah. Hey, I, I totally accept that. And I said, maybe I'm trying to reach just to make it interesting. But, you know, this, this fucking sport, bro, is fucking ridiculous. <laughs> but, but like you said, Adesan is proven. I mean, I'm right there with you. He's proven. He's a fucking dog. He's you know, the odds, like you said, they're lucky to be 600. Like, I'd probably put them closer to, like, 800 to 1,000. And, you know, he's going to walk through Strickland most likely. And, um, yeah, it's probably not going to be overly exciting. Yeah, it's unfortunate because I think the Drakus fight would have been a lot bigger. And there was so much bad blood there. You know, they really don't like each other. 
Um, and Drake is, I mean, listen, Drake is beating Robert Whitaker the way he did. I think that also does loom a little bit of a shadow. You know what I mean? Like we all wanted that fight and now we're getting like, I know it sounds terrible. Like we're, we wanted Drake as we're getting Strickland. And it's kind of like, eh, it's like a letdown. You know what I mean? Like when you like, that was legitimate heat between those two and Drake is beating Whitaker opened a lot of eyes. Anyone who said he was just like a you know, pretty good middleweight, he went out and beat, he stopped Robert Whitaker. There's no, saying, not just beating him, but yeah. the fucking way he beat him. I yeah, mean, he Jesus. stopped him. Yeah, so like this isn't just about rivalry. This is this is both what we talked about with like the Marab and, and Cheeto thing. This is a great storyline, and he deserves it. Like it's the best cut. Co- this is exactly what we want, and we're not getting it. We're getting Sean Strickland. So that I think yeah. that's part of it too. Like we know there is like a great matchup out there we should be having, but because of the timing with Drake is fighting in July, hurting his foot, and then the UFC turning around and wanting to fight two months later. I don't blame Drake at all, but, you know, and I understand they want Izzy to headline Australia. All these things make sense. It's just unfortunate that we're getting Strickland and not Drake That's really what it comes down to. Yeah, it should probably be a watch Sunday morning fight. Yeah. Can I ask real quick before we move on? Uh, I had an article go up today for my interview with Israel Adesanya talking about the fight that takes place in October between Hamzat Chemaev and Paulo Costa. Hamzat moving back to middleweight, taking on Paulo Costa, legit guy, super tough guy. Is there a world where Hamzat beats Paulo Costa, whether it's submission or, or maybe knocks him out? I don't know. Like He finishes Paulo Costa. Is there a world where Hamzat leapfrogs Dracus? Bro, with the hype behind him and... I see it a hundred percent. Like they want him to be champion. He's going to call for it. I don't know if I say they, they want him to be champion. I don't know if UFC is necessarily like that. I don't think they necessarily want one guy or the other, but they love the hype and he would be hyped to the max after that. I mean, he's had all the hype from the beginning. So he goes out there and, you know, Paula Costa is tough as they get, you know, he's a, you know, so I think it depends on how Hamza wins, but um, I absolutely see that. Can't you? Oh yeah, hundred percent. I don't, I don't like. I don't think he just walks through. No one has outside of Israel Adesanya. No one has walked through Paulo Costa. So let me be clear about that. Like Yoel Romero is you know one of the best guys of the last twenty years, and he didn't. You know Paulo Costa had a freaking war with Yoel Romero. Okay, so um, I don't see Hamza just going out there and just laying waste to Paulo Costa. Maybe he will, and I'll be like shocked out of my mind. But I don't think that's going to be an easy fight. But if he beats him and beats him convincingly, like maybe he does get him in like an arm triangle, or maybe he just you know knocks him out. I mean, it's possible. Um, I I don't know, man. Like that's like I said, dude. We talk about it all the time. It's about timing and opportunity. Izzy yep. fights in September, and we are mad. If there's one thing we both know about this sport, we are all prisoners of the moment in the sport. We were talking about Drakus in July. Izzy wins in September. If Hamza goes out there and knocks out or submits Paulo Costa in October, our attention is going to immediately shift to Hamza because he's a star, he's a big name, undefeated, all these kind of things. And suddenly Drakus becomes like the, the odd man out a little bit. Now, I'm not saying that's right or wrong. I'm just saying like there's a good chance of that happening. Yeah, and like I said, I don't know if they necessarily wanted him to be the guy or if they just thought that he was the guy the whole time. But he's had this hype for a long time, and this is now he's finally fighting the guy to prove it. You know what I mean? Like, Costa is, like, the guy. Like, if he goes out there and performs and beats him handedly, like, we know he's for real. And it's not that he's fought Trumps already or anything. I mean, he fought Gilbert Burns, and, you know, he's fought some really, really tough guys. But if he goes out there at 185 and dominates Costa, like – 
it, it, I mean, uh, you got to be right there with the UFC. Like, it is hard to deny him a title shot. So it's just going to come down to, you know, timing and, you know, whatever kind of things after that. And stylistically, he does present an interesting matchup for Israel. He's a huge wrestler. Yeah, you know what I mean? Like, that is, I'm not, listen. I'm not saying Dracus isn't a tough matchup for Israel. Dracus proved a lot of people wrong, myself included, with what he did to Robert Whitaker. But, you know, I I would Hamzat's wrestling should scare anyone. Like he's that good. Like that should be a scary factor for anyone. So I mean, stylistically, that presents an interesting matchup for Israel at 185 that he really hasn't fought. I mean, he fought Derek Brunson before he was champion, and Derek is an incredibly good wrestler, but Derek's never been that top. He's been top five. He's never quite been number you know, number one or number two. There have, and he beat Yoel Romero, and we all know what Yoel is. I mean, Yoel is an incredible fighter when he shows up and really gets in there to fight, But there, and he's never Yoel has never truly put his wrestling to work in MMA. He's, now, like, he's a silver medalist in wrestling, but he's never been like the wrestler in MMA. He's kind of been the anti-wrestler in a lot of ways. Um, yeah. You just can't take him down, really, but he'll, you know, he'll beat you up on the feet. Hamzat has no problem taking you down and putting you down and mauling you there. You know what I mean? So, like, that's it. Like, that's interesting. I'm not saying it's right or wrong that he would jump Dracus, but I'm saying it's interesting. Well, yeah, if you look at it from the UFC's perspective, too, like, who do you want to be the champion or, or fight for the title? Who's going to get more hype? Who's going to get more pay-per-views, right? They're in business to sell pay-per-views. That's their, their business model. Who sells more? It's hard to say it's not going to be Hamzat, right? Yeah, I mean, Dracus and Israel would be big. Hamzat and Israel, I think, would be bigger, if I'm being honest. Like, it's yeah. a bigger fight. And you can promote it any number of places. Like, yes, they've talked about taking Izzy and Dracus to Africa, which would be a huge moment. They're both out, you yeah. know, obviously, Dracus from South Africa, Izzy's from Nigeria. It would be a, a big moment. And if they go to if they go there, yeah, it makes a lot of sense. But if they're not going there, does that fight really sell as much as if you could take Ham? Right. You could go. You can go to Abu Dhabi with that fight. That's huge. Obviously, Hamza's got a huge fan base over there. You go to Australia with that fight. That's massive there for Israel. You can take that fight to Vegas, and it's massive. Hamza and and Izzy in Vegas is massive. Um, there's a reason why, like we were talking about fights, like who deserves it, who who doesn't. I've heard rumors. I don't know if you've heard this too, Matt. I've heard rumors the UFC is gonna is looking at. Let me be clear. This is not a done deal. I've heard rumors. The UFC is talking about going to China before the end of the year. And as soon as I heard that, I was like, well, they're going to book Zhang Weili and, and Yan Nan Because even though yeah. I think Tatiana Suarez is probably the toughest matchup at 115, if they go to China and Zhang is healthy and Yan Nan is healthy, well, of course they're going to put that fight on there. It's a massive fight. Two Chinese fighters in China fighting for a UFC championship. That is insane. That will get billions of views in China. Of course they're going to do that one. And this is kind of like the same thing here. Like, yes, if you can take it to Africa, Izzy and Dracus is a massive fight. But if you could take Hamzat, who's already a star, put it in Vegas, put it in Australia, put it in Abu Dhabi, any of those places, it's going to be a huge fight. Especially Abu Dhabi. Yeah. Oh, dude, it's massive. Massive. I mean, Hamzat is a star. We can't deny that. Hamzat is a star. And if he be, and also if he beats Paulo Costa, that's a legit win. Like it's not like he wouldn't have right. a good win on his record. He would be beating Paulo Costa. Yeah, so it's going to get interesting. And you know, again, you kind of know how this sport goes too. Like so many different things could play out between now and then. You know, I think the UFC's kind of sitting back. Like these are these are good problems to have, right? <laughs> like we got some real 
matchups for some real big uh, cards for Adesanya next. So, you know, hopefully he gets through this fight with Strickland, which in all respects he should. And then there's nothing but big things coming after that. And I say more power to, to Adesanya, man. I love that dude. I think he's earned everything he's got. And he deserves everything he's got. And um, he's such a good person, man. So I'm, I'm happy to see all the success he's having. And, um, you know, those are some tough fights for him. But, I, I you know, I, I'm always cheering for that guy, man. I love him. I love Izzy. Uh, I had a chance to interview him before this fight. We always have great conversations. Incredibly good dude. Uh, but also what I love about this right now is he has options again because it looked like for a little while like he had kind of cleaned out middleweight. And so we're talking about maybe he's going to go light heavy. He did light heavyweight for one fight. You know, maybe he's going to do some different things. Now he has a couple of good options. Like, obviously, listen, we're picking him to beat Strickland. Sorry, Sean. I'm picking Israel to win this weekend. Uh, he has Dracus and he might have Hamzat in a month. Like, those are two great options. And guess what? Dracus is already out there. He doesn't even need Hamzat to win. He could just go Dracus. But if Hamzat wins... He's got two great contenders, two great competitors, right. two really sellable fights. Israel's in a great position right now, man. Like, I love to see that because that's like we got to that point where during Anderson Silva's reign where he kind of was just fighting like whoever was there. And then finally, Chel Sonnen came along and that gave us like a real, <laughs> yeah. a real like enemy, a real villain. And then obviously Chris Weidman, you know, uh, beat him. But, like, there was a time there when it was, like, the Talis Lettes fight and the Patrick Cote fight, and it was, like, three in a row, four in a row were kind of like, eh. Like, you know, it just wasn't interesting that much because Anderson was a massive favorite against all those guys. And then he came back around to where Chael was this huge rival. That's what Israel's getting right now. He has a big rival in Drakus, and he could have a big rival in Hamzad, so it's a good time. Yeah, but what a great time for the sport, man. That's the whole thing is this – there's so many guys coming up now. Like, I don't think we're going to see those Anderson Silva days again, right? Or even, I think GSP was kind of getting there too, right? Where the, the nine, guys, he had nine title know, defenses and yeah, he was up there. Yeah. I mean, Demetrius Johnson was certainly there where, you know, it was just like, who do you fight, bro? There's nobody coming <laughs> up anymore. And, you know, just fighting the next guy that is available, the kind of like what Israel's doing this weekend, like, you know, that's not what the UFC wants, right? They want, you know, uh, a stacked top 10 uh, contenders, you know, with uh, stars to be able to come up and fight. So um, I find it hard to believe that we're going to be going through that uh, very much more. And especially like with the way they're recruiting so many guys now between Ultimate Fighter, Dana White Contender Series, and, you know, still just signing guys up, you know, from big promotions. And, you know, the sport is just growing so fast and, you know, the athletes are just – the athleticism is just fucking phenomenal, man. It's just coming up every freaking year, it seems like. And we're still a couple of years away from it, Matt, so I don't know. Israel may not even be around at that point because, you know, he's in his 30s. He may want to fight for a couple of years and walk away. I have no idea. But I got two words for you. Bo Nickel. That dude's coming up, and that dude's a star, and that dude's a monster. Like, that. Like I don't – Israel may be gone – before Bo Nickel gets to that level, Bo Nickel's like 4-0 right now. So he's got some time, 5-0, whatever it is. He's got time. But in a couple of years' time, when he's ready, assuming he continues the run he's been on, dude, that would be massive. I just don't know. But, but that's what we're talking about. Like, the division's going to continue rolling, and there's going to be new guys out there. Uh, well, I want to see if Hamza wins. I want to see him fight Bo Nickel. <laughs> I just I want to see that. I mean, I think Hamza would probably have the striking advantage right now, but Boy, them two wrestling, I'd love to see it, man. 
You're not. There's no one is going. No one at middleweight currently fighting in mixed martial arts is going to out wrestle Bo Nickel. I'll just say that right now. It's not. You're not going to do it. You're not going to. You're not going to out wrestle him. In MMA, it can happen. It can. It can. I. It can. It can. It absolutely can. And I know, like his buddy from Penn State, who is a gold medalist, like David Taylor, has hinted maybe he would do MMA. David Taylor would be like number one right away. Like he has multiple wins over Bo Nickel. Like he stopped Bo Nickel from going to the Olympics. Like David Taylor is a gold medalist. There's been a little bit of hint. Maybe he would try it. That's a dude like, but that's, that's the fun part about this. Like there's so many, there's so many scenarios and that's, what's fun about it, I guess. And we keep, I know I keep rolling it back to like trashy poor Sean Strickland, but like, that's, I think what's a little disappointing about the main event this weekend is like, we don't have those feelings about Sean Strickland. We have for Drakus, we have for Hamza. We're even talking about Bo Nickel kind of excited. We don't have that feeling for Sean Strickland. I'm just being honest. And well, I'll tell you what, on that point, you know, like having my own gym and having these guys that are coming up and then, you know, seeing kids from other gyms, bro, some of these 13, 14 year old kids today, these kids are, are fucking levels of, I mean, but it's unreal what's going on out there right now. These kids that are coming up, I got a kid in my gym, man, this next generation is, is just going to be, you know, we've seen the sport evolve a lot from the beginning, obviously, but it's not going to stop evolving anytime soon. And this next generation that's starting to come up now, we're starting to see little hints of it here. And then these guys that came up in all the different disciplines, plus they got the solid wrestling, plus they got, you know, the boxing and striking. And these kids have been competing since they were little. What we're about to see in the next 10 years is going to be absolutely fucking mind blowing. I agree. We're, we're, we're getting kids, you know, and it's already happened, but we're getting more and more kids who grown up as mixed martial artists. Like they're not growing up as I went to karate or, and I went to jujitsu and then I became a mixed martial. Like they're growing up as mixed martial artists. Like yeah. they're growing up as mixed martial artists, learning all of it and being really damn good at it. Here's a question real quick before we get out of here, Matt, talk about the next generation, the young guys coming up. This past weekend, of course, we saw, or maybe last week we saw, that Paul Felder, of course, UFC legend, really good dude. He's actually co-hosted this show a few times, uh, breaking down fights and uh, actually doing yearly previews. We did one for uh, 2022, and I think we did one for 2023 as well, uh, looking ahead at the year ahead and kind of picking champions and things like that. Incredible commentator. Paul is teasing a potential comeback. He's back in the USADA pool, and he said, I don't know if I'm going to fight yet or not, but you know, I'm going to jump back in the USADA pool just in case because it takes six months. Um, word to Conor McGregor, just so you know, take six months, you can get tested and come back and fight. Uh, this is a whole podcast, so I don't want to like go way off on a tangent here and talk for 40 minutes about it. This is a whole podcast in and of itself, but Matt, you're like, I, I've always appreciated the Joe Lozon approach to retirement. The word retirement, Joe has told me many times, I'll probably never retire. I'll just stop fighting. Like there will come a day where I just won't take a fight again and that'll be it. And I won't really retire. I'll leave the door open. And that's kind of where Joe's at now. Like Joe has said, like, I might fight again. I might not. Okay, cool. But like the retirement, you shut the door on that. And then you come back. Like no one ever stays retired. Like I thought like Michael Bisping staying retired made sense. He's had so many issues. He's had two knee replacements, his eye. All like We know Michael Bisping's not coming back, but that's just because we physically understand he cannot safely come back and fight again. I could have swore when Paul Felder, because Paul Felder had the commentary gig, and he's really good at it, by the way. Paul Felder's an incredible commentator. I would have said, 
I think he's done. He's doing acting stuff. He had a couple TV show gigs recently. Like, I thought Paul was done. And now he's coming back. Dude, no one stays retired in the sport, Matt. Like, I don't, I, I wish people just wouldn't use the word. <laughs> I heard that. And I don't even like the word personally because, again, uh, I mentioned this the other day. Like, uh, other than like Conor McGregor or, or Anderson Silva, you know, the John Jones, the big stars, like, guys aren't retiring from the sport. Like, we don't make enough money to retire. All we're doing is switching professions or making money a different way. Right? So, but that's the reason I don't like the word retirement, but you know, the, the sport's fucking amazing, man. And, and I don't know how guys, uh, I mean, I did the same thing. I retired in 2017 and it was about, you know, six months later, I was like, dude, this fucking sucks. Like, don't, <laughs> I don't go out there and fight again. You know, that itch when, when you step in there and in, into that octagon, and uh, you fight another man, there's just no way to replace that, man. And there's a, just a huge hole left in you. And I don't know, like, how you can possibly replace that. And, um, you know, and again, when it comes down to, like, you know, the finances, that, that's kind of why I bring that up. It's like, you know, we just find a different profession. But there's nothing else that you can put you, – you're not going to get your ROI on something else, you know, the way you can – once you start making some money in the sport, right? Like I make 125, 125, right? So if I win and I get 250, if I lose, I make 125. Like there's nothing else that I can do where I could put, you know, just put my life on hold for two months and go make $125,000 minimum, potentially make, you know, 250 or 300. It's like, and you're doing, you know, what you love so much. And, and, you know, Paul Felder's got to sit there in that booth every week and watch these guys. And, you know, every time, I mean, like you said, he's an excellent commentator, but you know, in the back of his mind, every time he's like, dude, I could take that guy. Right? He's like, you know, oh, I see the mistake he's doing. You know, so when you're studying these fights all the time. You're just like, you see all the mistakes and you're just like, man, I could go do that again. And it's like, well, what am I doing with myself? You know, there's, it's hard to find a purpose. It's hard to find a direction. You know, a lot of guys go through a depression, right? Mark Coleman's a, a perfect example. Like when, you know, he never officially retired, but when he quit fighting, he was like, you know, had no direction in life. He was like, what do I do with myself? Like, this is, this is who I am. This is my identity. So I think it's a complicated thing. We always, we always like to boil it down to money. And I do understand that. Like there are guys who come back from retirement for the wrong reason. Like there are, I mean, you know that too, Matt, some guys come back for the wrong reason, but one thing that I always sympathize with fighters who come back is because of what you just said. I'm not a fighter from the outside looking in. I'm thinking, man, Paul Felder has a great right now. He's got a commentary gig. He's calling fights every other weekend. He's got acting. He's doing podcasts. He's, he's successful. He's made a career outside of the cage successfully. He's not hurting like financially. And in terms of like just staying busy, right? Like he's found a career outside of fighting. But as you just said, nothing can replace that feeling of fighting. Nothing. Nothing. Calling every fight in the universe, stepping on set in Hollywood. None of that is the same. And that's why I have to take a step back. And I said this when we talked about Chris Weidman, the reason generally the only time I like to call for a guy to retire is when I'm worried about his health. 
Like, yeah. like brain health, usually brain damage is what I'm usually talking about. Like when they're just taking, you know, five knockouts in a row, I don't want to see that. Like, I don't want to see a dude like, you know, 20 years from now, he can't, you know, communicate because he's had so much brain damage. Like, I don't want that for anybody. So that's generally the time when I'll say that dude should just walk away. Like, I just don't want to see that guy get hurt anymore. But outside of that, I, I can't comprehend it. But I try to understand it. Like, you know what I mean? Like, I'm not a fighter. So I can't put myself in your shoes. And also, at the end of the day, Matt, you and I both know there is still a limited window. Like, you can't, like, you know, you're not going to be 55 fighting. But if you got that window at 38, 39, 40, and you're still physically able and you're still in good shape and you still feel good, man, I could do one more, two more. I, I can only understand that. I've not been there. But I can, so that's why I said, like, Paul Felder wants to come back. Like, in my head, I'm like, why, man? You got this great career. You got blah, blah, blah. But it's not fighting. It doesn't take the place of fighting. Why do you think when Paul Felder goes to Singapore or all these other places he travels to, he's always hitting pads with coaches? He still loves it. He yeah. still loves it. He's just not doing it right now. And he got that itch to do it again. So that's why, like, my only request, Matt, and I'm saying this in all honesty, my only request to every fighter out there, anyone who listens to this, just don't retire. Do the Joe Lozon plan. Just stop taking fights. You know what I mean? Like, just don't fight. And then if you come back one day, we're not like, oh, he's coming out of retirement. No, Joe fights. If Joe Lozon fights tomorrow, he's not fighting. He's not coming out of retirement. We could say he's fighting for the first time in two years or whatever the number would be. But he's not coming out of retirement. Stop. That's my, my only request, Matt. Stop using the word retirement because I have no problem. Paul Felder, when he walked away, no part of me was like, man, Paul Felder needs to stop, man. He just, he doesn't look good. No, he could have absolutely, he was still a top 10 lightweight when he walked away. Yeah, well, it's tough too when, like, you know, when he walked away, he probably had every plan to walk away. I mean, I did the same thing. Like, when I retired, I had every plan to walk away. But, you know, when you got that inside of you, like, how do you get rid of it? Right. And you got to create an entire new identity for yourself, right? You're no longer a fighter. That's no longer like, that's not who you are anymore. That's who you were. Um, you know, Joseph Benavides was an interesting one where I talked with him about it a little bit and, you know, he doesn't even go in the gym anymore. You know, I think he said he will like for his friends or whatever, or help out, you know, somebody that he likes or something like that. But he doesn't even really go train. Like he's like, I don't even want to be around it. And like, so when you can step that far away, I think it's a, you might even need to do that. You know, like when I retired, for instance, I mean, I opened a gym. I was still around every day. I was like, dude, why am I doing this shit and not going fighting? <laughs> you know? And, you know, so Felder's probably very similar where he was like, you know, he's watching it every day. Like he's still very involved in the sport but just not doing the one thing that got him into the sport that he wanted to do from, you know, however old, 15 years old or whatever. Yeah. No, you're so, and I, I think, I think what we also have to realize is it goes beyond one reason. Like do, like, as I said, do guys come out of retirement for the wrong reason? Sometimes financially. Yes. I do believe that happens 
where guys are, as you said, you can't make one night paycheck and earn what you earn in one night in the UFC. And, and obviously you're in a little different case. because You're a veteran. You've been around for a while, but even $30,000, even $30,000, you're not typically going to make that in one night's work anywhere, unless you're a professional gambler or something, you're not going to make 30 well, I, grand. In one. So, I, I never chalk it. I never chalk it up to one night's work. Right. It's going to be, well, you know, I'm saying like, yeah, but I'm saying like, you know, that, but do I think some guys come back for the wrong reasons? Sure. But I think that's still the minority. I think the majority of what you t- it's a multitude of reasons. It's there's part, I'm sure part of it, like you said, $250,000 for, you know, putting three months, you said taking your, like basically putting three months of your life on hold and fighting. You can't earn $250,000 doing anything else in that three months. Uh, the competition, but like, that's what, like, there's a multitude of reasons is what I'm getting at. Like, it's not just one thing. Like we can't just say, well, he's broke. He needs the money. That's not necessarily the case. In your case, like you don't necessarily need to fight, but you love it. That's why you're doing it. And I'm sure Paul Felder, I'm sure has money. I'm sure none of this has anything to do with financial. We can see he has a career. He has a career that is clearly paying his bills, right? You don't get, you're not on TV in the UFC every other week and you're not making a pretty decent income. Okay. But this isn't that for him. It's like you said, he did that fire, that, that intensity, that competition, that feeling it just doesn't go away. And you said, yeah. and I agree, he said they're calling these fights every week. That's probably even harder. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, I, I know, and you never know someone's personal finances either. You know, like if people blow money, if they don't save it right. And, you know, I don't know what these guys get paid to compensate. So, um, you know, so that I, I kind of try to stay away from that because you just simply don't know. Like, um, it, that, that could very well be a motivating factor, you know, but that's okay too. Right. Like there's nothing wrong with that. Like we are prize fighters. That's what we do. So like, what's wrong with fighting for money? You know, if he's like, Hey, you know, I just want a, another paycheck. You know, I just, I want to go buy a fucking, um, you know, an AMG or a fucking G wagon. Right. <laughs> he's like, if I go fight, I'll make the money to do that. You know, like that's understandable, right? Like, there's nothing wrong with that. That's what we do as as a prize fighter. You go fight for a fucking prize. So, you know, I don't fault people for that either. But, um, you know, I, to your point, you know, never trust a fighter when he says he's retired. <laughs> you know, motherfuckers ain't never really retired. That that's just a fact, right? We're never actually retired. There's always there's always something that can get us back if you're a real fighter. Yeah. All right. And that's why I said, like, I, that'd be my only argument. Stop using the word retirement. Like I got no problem. If you come, like I'm, I'm cool. If Paul comes back. Paul's a damn good fighter. He's exciting, fun, great dude. I mean, just one of the best people in the sport. Like I don't say it. I say it about, I say people are good, but like, I can say, honestly, I've hung out with Paul Felder at like, at like, um, events and stuff. Incredibly good dude. Like as good a dude yeah. as you'll meet in the sport. Um, an incredible fighter. I have zero problem. He wants to fight again. I just stop using the word. Don't use the word retire because as you said, don't believe it. That's what we've all, we all joke around saying like MMA retirements because none of us believe it. Like none of us should believe it. Like when none of us, like the, the one, the one guy who says he's going to fight, isn't going to fight is Conor McGregor. And then everybody else is actually going to fight. Right. right. Well, I, I get your point, but yeah, at the same time, like I said, when he retired, so to speak, um, he probably had every intention to retire too, right? He probably didn't know that those itches were going to be so strong. Yeah. 
And I think Paul, I don't know how old Paul is. I have to look. I think he's like 38 or 39. As I said, there is a window. Eventually that window will close. Like, you know what I mean? Like you can't decide, you can't decide at 47 and being gone for a decade that you're going to come back. Like it's still in that window of time where he's been retired for like three years or whatever. He's still in incredible shape. He's doing triathlons and shit like that. Like he's still in that window, that competitive window where he can come back and still perform in the UFC. Right. That will close. There is a day that will come where that's no longer an option. Or maybe in the UFC, it'll be like, dude, no, we can't. Like, you're 49. Like, you haven't fought in a decade. Like, we're not going to have you back. Like, it's just not a good idea. There, that window. So you're in that competitive window where you're like, you know what? I could fight. I feel like fighting. And I'm still young enough. Like, there is, like I said, all the factors are there for him to come back. Because there is a day, like that day will come, where you will be too old or just your body just isn't there for you anymore to do it. Well, guess what? His body's still there. He's still in incredible shape. I mean, I don't have a problem with it. I just think it's hilarious. I think I just absolutely think it's hilarious. Like, dude, just stop using the word retirement. Just, I, and I, I agree with you. I agree with you. He, pro- I'm sure he had every intention. I joked with him when we did the preview show. I think it was this year. I joked with him about coming back, and he's kind of laughing at me. And I, because that was right after I think Connor had taken a shot at him over something i was like you should come back and fight connor that'd be a great fight and he kind of laughed and i was like dude it'd be a big fight like whatever i'm trying to convince him to come back so i don't care that he's i'm happy he's back i just think it's hilarious because like no one's so, ever so, you, so by the way speaking of the preview show how'd you guys do on your predictions so far uh not not well on my end because i can't remember all of his but i know mine did not go well because i didn't i thought i remember i thought kamar usman was going to beat leon edwards in the rematch that didn't happen uh trying to remember what else i thought valentina would stay champion that didn't happen um trying to remember what other ones i had i i think i may have predicted john jones being champion if he comes back so i might have gotten that one right uh that was a real tough one i know i know real tough one there (laughs) uh israel i'm pretty sure i predicted him still being champion uh, or getting the championship back at that point. I think that was like, cause he had already lost Alex at that point. I think I had him winning the title back. So I don't know. I was probably like four for 10. It was not a great average. Cause what we did was we were predicting who would be champions at the end of the year. And that's harder because you're talking about like, you know, it could be two, maybe three title defenses. So it's hard to, hard to predict. Like Leon Edwards beat Kamar Usman. He may fight one more time this year against Colby Covington, but we still don't even know if that's going to happen. So he may go the rest this year and not fight. Like that's it. But then you got Adesanya, who's about to have his third fight this year or whatever. So, or second, I can't remember. So, yeah, it all depends. Like, there's, it's harder to predict. Yeah, we're going to have to go back and listen and write them down and check it out at the end of the my year. Sh- my shame of my bad picks. Yes. Uh, I won't be, I won't be shocked <laughs> about my shame Dude, of my bad picks. Everybody picks MMA bad. There's no fucking way to do it good. <laughs> Everything changes every day in the sport. Yeah. Well, we're sitting here. We're sitting here trying to talk ourselves into being interested in Sean Strickland, Israel, and Asanya, knowing full well we're both picking Israel and Asanya. So that's just how the sport goes. Like I said, you, well, to be fair, I tried to talk you into it, and you didn't take the bait. <laughs> no, I did not take the bait. I'm sorry. And you know what? If I'm wrong, I'll clearly say I'm wrong. I just don't think I'm wrong. So uh, this I is one. You're wrong either. <laughs> this, is, this is one of those times where I feel fully confident. Where I'm like, you know what? I feel pretty good about my pick here. Yeah, I'm with you on it too. At least, at least we'll have the same pick. I just tried to convince you, and it didn't work at all. It did not work at all. But hey, we got we got a great. Uh, we'll talk about the card next week, and of course, we'll roll right into another big card because we got 
the Noche UFC card taking place right after this one with Valentina Shevchenko and Alexa Grasso rematching next weekend. Uh, so that's going to be a great card. So we'll break that down on next week's show and also the fallout from UFC 293, which you will be watching on Sunday morning, not Saturday night, I'm sure. Uh, so we'll have all that to talk about. And then the rematch with Alexa and Valentina. So that should be fun. So lots more coming, man. The, the, the train does not stop. We got a lot of fight cards coming up over these next couple of months going into October, November. So, uh, yeah, we got lots of fights. Yep. Looking forward to it, bro. A lot of Sunday morning watches. I love it. I love it. Uh, we mentioned, of course, uh, the great team hooking you up with a sauna. Anywhere else anyone could check out where they could check out what you got going on, Matt Brown? Uh, I am the Immortal Instagram and Twitter at the Immortal Coffee. Let's go. Love it. We'll be back next week with another edition of the Fighter versus the Rider. We appreciate everyone that listens to the show. Make sure you check us out on all your favorite podcast platforms, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and of course, over on the best website in the world, MMAfighting.com. For Matt Brown, I'm Damon Martin. Thanks for tuning in. We'll see you then. Apple Card is the perfect cashback rewards credit card. You earn up to 3% daily cash on every purchase, every day. That's 3% on your favorite products at Apple, 2% on all other Apple Card with Apple Pay purchases, and 1% on anything you buy with your titanium Apple Card or virtual card number. Visit apple.co slash card calculator to see how much you can earn. Apple Card issued by Goldman Sachs Bank USA, Salt Lake City Branch, subject to credit approval, terms apply.